you all touched on a lot of things um, and some of them have resonated with our viewers uh, partially about um, veterans court and just the diagnosis of PTSD. And there is some fear that that diagnosis will prohibit people from getting employment um, or be looked at in a negative way um, as, as a veteran. Uh, if they do have that diagnosis, you alluded to some of that earlier. We did kind of address this a little bit in one of our previous shows that, you know, there's this, this stigma that's associated with mental health in general. And I think there is some fear that if we disclose that information, that it could be prohibitive. I think people have a misunderstanding that that is information that their employer has access to. Um, so I want to clarify that piece um, that in, you do not disclose that information to your employer. They don't have access to that information. And even if you have your insurance through your employer, that is your personal and protected um, information, HIPAA. So that that is not anything that an employer, unless you bring it in the case of an FMLA um, and you want to be able to get some time off for appointments and then you bring it in. But that is protected um, as an area where people can't be discriminated. So I just want to wanted to put that out there. But you two have talked a lot about differences in how people are treated, which is my um, last question for you. So we have um, the affluenza case uh, in, in which this young man essentially was given a very light sentence um, for murdering several people, whereas we have um, black and brown people who we know are, um, their penalties are much higher when they commit crimes, even if their crimes are um, lesser in, in the extent of the law. Uh, and they serve longer sentences and they have more difficulty um, being able to, to gain access to employment because of how they are convicted. And so is it even possible for a person to get a fair and impartial trial, a person of color, um, a, a, a person with a mental health disorder, a veteran, a, um, um, someone who does not have um, wealth? Is it even possible for that to happen? And, and can you just talk to people a little bit about judicial bias and what you are going to personally do, uh, we're claiming for you when you are elected to reduce judicial bias and what suggestions do you have just for the legal system as a whole to reduce this bias? Okay, well, to answer the first question regarding is it possible to have a fair and impartial trial? I mean, I, I, I've served as both a prosecutor and a defense attorney in addition to having been a judicial officer as a commissioner or a magistrate judge. And, and, and this is, is a question that I put on my defense attorney hat and it was a public defender as a matter of fact. And I say that it's on the defense attorney to ensure that a lot of the issues that need to be addressed are addressed so that there can be an impartial trial. If, fair and impartial trial. I mean, sometimes those issues are, are blindingly right there in front of you. It's, you. I mean, it's there. You see it. Um, I would like to think that if, if a jury or a judge sees an individual that, that they know is just not quite as, as uh, mentally stable as, as they need to be, that they would, they would look into that. I mean, I've had clients who have come into the courtroom on, on a, when they were being arraigned and their activity, their actions. I mean, it causes everyone, you know, you give the, what, like, what's, what's going on with this guy? What, you know that there's something wrong, but yet the prosecutor sits there 
and doesn't say anything as it relates to, well, judge, you know, because they didn't see this person when they build that case. They didn't know that this person had some type of mental disease defect or, or mental illness. They didn't know. So you can't blame him for that. But when you see him and you see it's like, whoa, this there's a disconnect here. This is not a person who would knowingly do what they say he did, not with the intent to just, you know, cause cause havoc, wreak havoc. He wouldn't knowingly uh, expose himself in an obscenity case. He wouldn't knowingly just get in a car and steal it for the sake of stealing it. He didn't understand the social cues. He didn't understand that that was wrong. So he was just doing something. When you have that type of situation, I would like to think that prosecutors would say, well, you know, maybe I need to rethink this charging. Um, but to the extent that judges um, are, are, are in a position to, 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 to check their biases, I, mean, I, I think it's easy. You, you ask yourself, why am I doing this? Is it because this person is old, this person is black, this person is a male or a combination thereof, a young black male, an old black male, and I have an expectation, like me, for instance, I may have a bias for older black men because I feel that an older black man should know better. And so am I doing this? Am I sentencing him because he's an older black male who should have known better? And we got to ask ourselves, why am I doing this? We're taught this in certain disciplines. Actors, check, check, and recheck. You check to see why you're doing something. Then you check to see why you did something. Then you recheck to see why you did something. And that way you get to the root of why you did it. The why is very important. Why? And the why is not because he was convicted or because he pled guilty. But why are you imposing this sentence? Or why are you looking at him this way? Looking at her this way? So it should be easy to check your biases. The problem is that not just judges, but most people, we just don't do it because we're dug in. We feel that the way we feel is, is rational, it's reasonable. So there's no reason for me to check my biases because I don't have any. We all do. We all have biases in some way, form, or fashion. Some are look, look some are used in a negative manner and some are used in a positive manner. I, I mean, I, I think that uh, Anthony would, would agree that he has a positive bi bias towards members of the military. His bias is, is, is a positive one towards members of the military. Not to say that he wouldn't think that a military member could do wrong. He, he's not saying military members can do no wrong because we know they can. I prosecuted in the military. So, and he, 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 has a, he knows that. Um, so military members do wrong. It's just that we, we, we look at military members as, hey, that's the, that's the salt of the earth right there. Those, those are the less than 1%. And, and we love them. So our biases could be positive or negative. It's those negative biases that we have to truly make sure we have a grasp on. Uh, the positive ones too, because similar to the affluenza case, we could treat them better than we would treat others. And that's not right either. So we have to check our biases, but we have to personally do that. Is there a way that we can institute some type of program for judges to understand and know their bias? Yeah. The Louisiana Bar Association has a diversity program, the diversity committee that tries to help people understand their biases. I've been serving on the committee for since 2009. Um, I served as the co-chair for two years. Uh, it's a positive way for judges to 
be members of or go to the to the conclaves and and listen to the to the presenters who give us these these lessons in how to check our biases because we all have it. Um, personally, me, I, I try to do this as as a way of life, which is checking my biases. Why why am I doing this? What 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 made me do this? It's because this person is a Democrat. This is because this person is a Republican. This is because this person had on a a uh, Run DMC T-shirt. What 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 made me do this? Whatever it is, we have to ask ourselves what made me do. Especially when we're in a position where we have people's quality of life in our hands. When we have people's quality of life in our hands, is this person going to spend the rest of his life in prison, or is this person going to spend the rest of his life atoning for his his wrongdoing in society, understanding that he did wrong? How how is this person going to live the rest of his or her life? So that's what I think uh, needs to occur, and that's what I personally will continue to do to make sure that my biases did not get in the way of my rulings. You know. Uh Appreciate that, Attorney Winners. No, I think the these multi-layer, multi-tiered approaches are, are the only way to administer justice. Um, you know, Your Honor, and I think it's critical that that people really know who you are. Um, I, I know your wife who went to law school with her. I know your family. Um, you know, I know that you're a double Southernite, Southern University of New Orleans. I know. Uh, uh, I even know about your family owning the old bed and breakfast there in Uptown. Uh, not a lot of black folks own stuff in uptown New Orleans, but, uh, you know, the, the, the classic bed and breakfast, uh, New Orleanian bed and breakfast. I know uh, you graduated from Southern Law. Uh, you've been a mentor to me, somebody I can always call on. Me owning Veterans Defender, I'm calling you about cases where I'm representing soldiers and sailors and airmen and Marines right now. Um, and so, uh, and, and that's important, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, I know about your, your DA experience, your military experience, all of this stuff, the only kind of mistake that I, I you know, I, I feel about your life is you're an alpha versus a, <laughs> I don't know who's focused, but I'd love for you to tell our listeners and and, and tell everybody who, who potentially is listening as we boost this show out, um, wh why should people vote for you? Why, why is it important? How can they support your campaign? Well, the first question was, why should people vote for me? And, uh, I won't say that the answer is obvious, but I think it's obvious that I am the most qualified candidate in the race. And qualified candidate meaning my experience and my qualifications together make me the most qualified candidate. Every candidate who is in each and one of every one of these races are qualified. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been able to qualify. Um, but my experience puts me in a it puts me in a unique position to be best qualified to take that seat day one and be able to perform at optimum level without the, okay, what do I do now? Okay, what happens next? Okay, now, now where do we go? Because I know where we go, because I've been on both sides of the bar before the judge handling these same cases that I'll be ruling over. I've been on the bench handling some of the rulings that need to be handled. And I've also been a teacher of the law. So the same issues that I have to rule on, 
I'm teaching these law students to understand so that they can come out and become lawyers like you and I, as well as serving on the Louisiana Law Institute, which is the legislative arm, of, well, not the legislative, the research arm of the Louisiana legislature. They make recommendations of changes that need to be made to the law or when called upon, make the recommendations for changes in the law. In every aspect, we talk about, uh, I, I tell people about the one time I was at a, at a committee meeting and they spoke of a term that I had not heard since law school, lesion beyond moiety. And I sat back, I said, whoa, that, that came out of nowhere. I hadn't heard that since law school. But as we got to talking about it, all these things started coming back and I started realizing that, hey, I, I know about lesion beyond moiety. I'm, I can add to the conversation. So I've been doing that for three years, uh, adding to the conversation on the changes of the law. So to that extent, I help make the law. So teaching it, practicing it, making it, administering it or interpreting it. I've done it all. And so I'm the unique qualified candidate that is best suited to take this seat after Judge Jackson retires. Um, we have our website, uh, Quintilis, the number four judge.com, Q-U-I-N-T-I-L-L-I-S, four judge.com. They can learn all about my experience, all about my platform and, and what I intend to do in addition to the Veterans Court, in addition to checking my biases, uh, where I've been, what I've been doing, uh, my military experience, which includes being a JAG officer. For 13 years, I was an enlisted soldier, so I wasn't practicing law, but I was I was interacting with the lawyers that were, that when I was deployed, that were uh, advising commanders on fiscal law issues. And I learned a lot from those lawyers. Uh, because I was not yet a JAG. But when I came back from my deployment, went to JAG school, finished, uh, started working, it was it, it, it was easier because I had the opportunity to, to 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 get that advice, that sage advice from those from those lawyers that were were in a position to talk to CENTCOM commanders and things of that nature. So I'm I'm ready to go day one. I am ready to go day one. I'm excited about this. Um, I think that it's an opportunity to change the trajectory of the court. One that is uh, much more people friendly. I mean, people shouldn't be afraid to go into a courthouse because they think that they're just going to be uh, railroaded, which is the word that most use. There's, there's no railroading in my court. What there is, is there's fair and impartial treatment. There's understanding of all parties because it's not just a file. Attached to that file are people both the defendant, if there's a victim, and all of the families of both of those parties. They're going to be affected by your decision in every way possible. So you have to think about that stuff when you're making decisions. You know, and I, and I recognize that it is going to be life-changing, and, and I do think you're uniquely placed. And, and truth and lending to anybody that's listening to the show, I have investing in your campaign because I believe financial I invest in your campaign. So I don't want anybody to think that I haven't. I have invested in it because I really believe in it. I want you on this show. This show is separate from your campaign. This is about educating the listeners of why all of these elections are important and why the judiciary is uniquely important. And I really needed you to tell us why uh, you're there. Uh, you know, and, and so we're so lucky to have you on this show. Uh, Dr. Tarver, I'll let you ask any final questions uh, as we uh, as we get ready to close out this show. 
Um, I don't have any final questions. I, I told you, uh, Attorney Lawrence, we were going to try to keep your, your schedule <laughs> down to an hour, and I think we're about at that time. I just want to thank you for coming, for making time. I know that it is no small feat to be running a campaign and to, at 8 o'clock Central Time, <laughs> get on with us while you're you're uh, managing all of the things that I know you have to do outside of that campaign, being a being a husband, being a dad, um, and all of the other things that you need to do. Really appreciate you. We've gotten some really great feedback on Facebook about you addressing some of the things that people just aren't very familiar with, terms that are important. I think that oftentimes we just don't know about. We don't know the questions to ask because we just haven't been um, able to get that awareness. And you alluded to that earlier. And we don't have that background, but that doesn't mean that we can't gain it. And it is because people like you give up their time to be able to educate us so that we can be informed voters. And so thank you so much again for coming in. And I am again claiming for you this victory um, in your campaign. And so next time I address you, um, it will be as Judge Lawrence. So thank yeah. you. And that's it. You know, it's uh, uh, Quintillus, the number four judge, Quintillus4judge.com. Uh, please go to that website, learn more about this candidate, learn more about this leader. Um, and, and we're so excited to have you to come back on our show for a second time to communicate with our listeners and us and educate us. Uh, judge, I call you judge because you're going to be if you were. And so uh, we claimed it for you. Uh, you've been listening to In Our Own Defense podcast this episode. We've had the pleasure of having Quintilis um, Lawrence here who's running for 19 JDC judge there in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He's a military leader uh, and he's an extremely experienced jurist. And so we're lucky to have him here. Thank you for listening. We're your host, Attorney A.D. Winters and Dr. Dolores Tarver. For more information on our podcast, go to uh, social media at In Our Own Defense, uh, on Facebook, In Our Own Defense, or you can go to our YouTube channel, In Our Own Defense. We've been watching us here live on Facebook and we thank you so much. Have a great day.